Erin. And I'm Danielle. And this is Somebody's Gotta Know. A podcast where we have questions. And somebody's gotta have answers. Okay. We're back. Uh, We took a week off. We appreciate everybody's patience. Yeah. And as promised, we have an extra special episode because our trio is complete. What can I say? I'm here. <laughs> finally. Danielle is finally joining us. I guess you're here. And I'm not here. Well, I mean, <laughs> I'm here. And you're here. You're at my house in Wells, Maine, which is a wonderful place if anybody hasn't been. It's got wonderful donuts and great Chinese food. And we, the ocean! We did get 13 donuts for the price of six today, and I took a single bite out of every single one. And I've never been happier in my life. This is not an ad, but calm dunce donuts. They've got something right. Not sponsored. No, <laughs> we're not sponsored. No. But I will say, and I feel like this is important, as someone whose most um, frequent drive through experience is with Dunkin' Donuts, um, this drive through experience, I, I was so blown away. I mean, I wanted to thank everyone in the store and be like, you're the sweetest group of people I've they ever ordered so a donut from. They were so patient with us. I took them like $8. Well, <laughs> I was like, let's just do this. I mean, imagine this. Imagine this. A woman who's working on a Saturday, a car pulls up to the little microphone, and she realizes it's three young women, and she asks them. Who don't know what they want. Who don't know what they want, and she says, you have to pick out 13 donuts. <laughs> and, and every time we were like, okay, we'd like a maple whatever, she'd be like, a maple whatever. And we'd be like. That wasn't enough time. <laughs> and then and then we ordered all of our drinks. And then we were like, okay, we're done. And Danielle went, no, I need breakfast sandwiches. And she went, okay. And what are those? And just kept the same happy, pleasant tone the whole time. They say Wells has the friendliest people, and they're not wrong. Whoever you are, if you listen to our podcast, we love you and we thank you. Yes. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, do we have anything we want to say about... Our, normally we talk a little bit about our last episode. Well, do you know how many viewers or listeners we're up to? I don't know off the top of my head. I haven't checked this week, okay. but I will have to check. I'm going to go with more than last time. Last of it was 50. 50! It's kind of a lot. That's kind <laughs> of a lot. A lot. That's amazing. Um, I got my first couple of DMs on Instagram. What? Um, remember, do you remember our last episode when we recorded over Zoom? Thank you everybody who put up with that because I listened back to it and there's a lot of Romy in the background. Uh, <laughs> it's rough. Um, but we talked about like if you have any crazy dreams, let us know. Yes. I have a bunch of messages. We're going to do a mini episode. Oh my gosh. I have some texts from people that we know personally. I have some DMs from other people. I have a fun game to play with you when we do it. Like, it's going to be so good. All right, so let's look for that in the future. If you have any dreams and you haven't sent them to us yet, please tell us. As a bonus, I think at the end, I brought my little dream book, Danielle. If you want to share with us some of your frequent dream imagery. Oh, hell yeah. Okay. We'll do a little dream reading. Absolutely. Um, the other, the only other thing that I would say is, well, I guess not the only other thing. We can keep talking about other stuff. But, no, it's gone. <laughs> I, I really you guys know life. that we, we haven't seen Danielle in like six months. We, the last time we saw her was when Aaron got married in June. And yeah. so we got here today and we immediately started drinking and chatting and talking about life. And so I'm on, I don't even know what number anymore. Four, five, and somewhere around there. 
And I don't know anything that's happening in my life. It's okay. Lots of hydration was had in between the beverages. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Just if, to be clear. If we know anything from our college days, it's drink a drink of water for every alcoholic beverage that you have. So if you are young and you have not learned yet, drink water in between every alcoholic beverage. It and will your life not, will improve significantly. And it will not decrease the amount of drunk that you are, which was always Agreed. a fear. It'll just make you less hung hungover and sick tomorrow. Oh yes. No, you're still gonna have a great time, but you will be ready to enjoy your breakfast the next morning and your friends who did not do the water trick will not. Yeah. This is the truth. Beautiful. You clicked your pen, Hannah. Oh, sorry. She's that, was, I, that was we just both like a nervous... turned in attention to look at Hannah like, okay, we're paying attention. I don't even have anything to write down. I don't even know I have a pen. I Do you thought... have anything, Danielle, to share? It's your first time on our podcast. Um, I don't think so. Sorry. I just no, discovered I'm... Danielle's undercut. I'm ready to learn that I've had for three years. So I touched it. <laughs> <laughs> it is done relatively recently. I did have a wonderful stylist help me keep it from looking like I was a caveman, so. Okay. Now we're doing better. Well, I guess if we're ready. I think you. I think we have a lot that we're going to address yeah. today, and since we have three voices to contribute, mm -hmm. I think we should just jump in, and if thoughts come up along the way and we trail off that, or have tangents, that's all right. That's, so that's standard. For, standard for the show. For Danielle, I'm sure that you know this because Danielle is an avid listener and texts us every week the things that she's heard in our podcast, so I know that she listens as they come out, but we are very much a, like, if you have a thought, interrupt. Okay, so today we're going to talk about birth order, which I thought would be super fun with my two best friends because we all have very unique views. Erin um, is the oldest of her two siblings. What? I'm. You are the oldest. You have you. It's you and a brother. There's two of you. Two. Oh, I was like, I only have one sibling. We are, we are two. <laughs> you are together. We are two together. <laughs> I am. I am the like distinct middle of three. And Danielle is unique in that she is the middle, but with the age difference, she also was the oldest for a period of time because when her sister was old enough to move out, she was still very young. So I'm really excited to see our thoughts. Can you just explain a little bit, like as, some, like as someone myself who doesn't talk about counseling or has never been in a counseling or, ther or psychology class, like the idea of the birth order is even a term? Oh, I have I have the history of the explanation of, okay. and then right. we're going to discuss it. Okay. But I just wanted to talk about how like we all have unique perspectives in terms of where we fall in our family. Okay. All right. Um, so the history of birth order. Birth order was found by Alfred Adler, who was one of um, Freud's protégés. So, based on our last episode, I also would argue that they had a gay relationship. <laughs> um, okay, so Alfred Adler thought that birth order um, impacts individuals from, like, a developmental perspective. The, he was the first to develop a comprehensive theory of personality psychologically um, through disorders and therapy. And he thought that birth order and a number of and the number of siblings affects a child's personality. So he was basically like, where you're born in the family, how many siblings there are in the family, and like environmental factors are the three major things that contribute to who you are as a human being. So in child protective, that's actually like a risk factor. Is how oh, many people are in yeah. the household? You know, you, I forgot. I keep forgetting that you did that um, in college, which is when I definitely should have done it. Um, that you like mean so not when you're an adult? Like, wow, like this is so crazy that that's like a factor. Like I had a case where every single risk factor that they had in their tool was like something that happened in the past and not based on the present. So oh, like yeah. they were like, she's a high risk. And I was like, but she literally hasn't done anything wrong in well, like three years. Like what? Like this is 
crazy. Like, what do you mean she's high risk? And they just override it. The things so that crazy. you experience, especially between the ages of, like, 1 and 10, drastically affect not only how you develop, but, like, the things that you'll do in your future. Yeah. The personality that you come up with. Like, everything. If, if you everything can understand your environment language, interacts with you. Yeah. So, also, we should, we have mentioned before that I basically majored in child psychology. Danielle was briefly a child development major and ended up majoring it's in, like, regular psychology. I did two years in child development before switching to psychology in general, and then I minored in sociology. And if I had taken one more child development course, I would have a double minor. So but we, I was we not have, going to do that. <laughs> we have a lot of overlap. Also, yes. if we haven't mentioned before, Danielle and I lived together in college, so I went to the same school. Yes. We have seen each other at our worst and probably not our best yet. <laughs> so anyways, in 1910, Adler broke away from Freud and highlighted social influences on personality. He determined in his like very beginning of birth order, he regarded firstborns as power-hungry and conservative, middle children as competitive, and lastborns as spoiled and lazy. That was like his baseline of Ooh. the study. For two... For the couple hundred years between, I don't know, it wasn't exactly 200. It was it was a couple of, of it wasn't 100 years. It was a lot of decades. But since the beginning of Adler's original speculative theory, um, there have been more than 2,000 studies that have been conducted. And there's been a lot of criticism, mostly due to in... Oh, God, now I have to read my own handwriting. Uh, <laughs> oh, that the studies are inade- inadequately controlled for things like social class, number of kids, race, gender, mm. all of those things. So it'll be like, oh, the oldest bones borns all do this, but it'll be like three groups of two children and the oldest born and 12 groups of six plus children and the oldest born, and there's no, like, in between. So there wasn't, yeah. there wasn't good, like... There wasn't good control. There wasn't good neutral groups. There was no real scientific way of doing things, which as we learned in our dream episode, like that was kind of Freud's MO and Adler was a protege of Freud. And so it was like, well, okay. Yeah. Freud was like, I am the subject of study. (laughs) It's like, that's not okay. (laughs) But in, but in like 1902, that was like, well, what do we know? Psychology is totally new. Maybe this is fine. Yeah. 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 So then there was all these critiques. There was all this nonsense. People were like, none of this is real. And then you enter my guy, Frank Soloway. Frank Soloway is still alive. And I meant to look up how old he is. While I talk about this, would one of you mind Googling Frank Soloway? Frank Soloway. Because I'm, I'm positive he's still alive. Frank Soloway. Um, and he took on Alfred. You can please sing more. <laughs> Give me, it's give me the your only song. way I can keep it in my brain long enough to long enough to search it. We are the same person, Danielle. Um, Soloway.org. Yeah, no, that's says, where I got a lot of my research from. Uh, I believe in you. Something else. Just like Google the Wikipedia. name. Wikipedia. Born yeah. in 1947. In did he, did he oh, die yeah. yet? Uh, let me. I don't think he did. You might have to sit forward a little so the mic can pick you up. Okay. All right. If there's no death date at the beginning, then he's not dead yet. Yeah, it does not appear. Okay, so that's that's what I thought. I will continue to look and let you know. Okay, so in 1996, Frank Soloway delved into birth order again. 
prior to this and still today, it was challenge theory because of the things that we talked about earlier, the methodological issues, the um, lack of a um, control group, all of those things. They were like, this isn't real. 74. He's 74. 74. Yes. So Frank Soloway is still alive. I conducted these studies. There's Soloway.org is where I got a lot of my information from. Um, and he took into account age, gender, class, wealth, race, like all of those things that you could think of. And he did another study. And he decided that birth order um, affects and represents the power of the environment and how you're raised and where you fall. And it's very much that like nature versus nurture thing where like, yeah, there's some parts of you that are genetic and that are going to remain you no matter how you're raised or where you fall in the family. But there's also parts of the environment sticks onto you. And one of those things is like where you're born in the family changes how you're treated. Mm. If you're the oldest versus the youngest versus the middle. If you're the middle of 12 versus the middle of 3. If you're the youngest of 15 versus the youngest of 2. All you know, compounding factors. It all changes things. So, that is all I have for the history. Now we're going to go into traits. Are you ready? So ready. Yes, very ready. My body <laughs> is so ready. So, <laughs> firstborns, like Karen Bennett, your body's ready? <laughs> it's... Her mind is ready, and her mind is in her body. I, I mean, it's true. Okay. Well, it's it's a college it's a college inside joke. Is that not one that you were part of? My body you is were, ready. My body is ready. I probably I was, that. but I don't. It was like was freshman so and sophomore year, year. You know how long ago freshman year was? Ten years ago. Are you aware that it's 2022 and we were freshmen that in 2012? That's not real. No. It was 10 years it's ago. Not real. We're yeah. old ash bitches. Ash. <laughs> I was hoping that we would pick up ten, on that. 10 year anniversaries coming up for, for high school. For high school, it's craziness. Yeah. Wait. 10 years this year, this June. Uh. <laughs> I'm having so many feelings so right anyways. now. Alright, just go, <laughs> go back. Let's, Ooh, let's right. explore our... The, let's explore some traits, Hannah. My yeah. body is ready. <laughs> Can I tell you guys something? Yeah? Yes. You talk do, or whatever. Do I need to stop this? No. Okay, tell. Share, Hannah. And all that laughter about how old we are, suddenly I had to poop. <laughs> We're gonna pass. It's, it's I can tell. Little, you just needed a little... A little, little, little. I had a lot uh, of soy for dinner. Yeah, the, the choice I'm allergic may to have soy. been a poor, a poor choice. Back to birth order. Yes. Uh, what are the traits? Hey, I'm sorry, Jason. We're, are, we're ready to hear it. Okay, so firstborns, eldestborns, first children, Aaron Bennis. Because you are your parents' first shot at parenting, they spoil you a lot, and it is expected, and a lot is expected of you. Especially as you gain siblings, your parents might be more strict with you and expect you to be more responsible. Are you okay back there? <laughs> Folks, it's just none left. <laughs> Danielle set up to make a drink, and the beverage that she chose to pour from was fully empty, and now she's losing her mind. It's okay. I'm not losing my mind. I'm just a little sad. Um, you tend to demonstrate leadership skills. You may become a perfectionist and strive to please your parents. You tend to be reliable, conscientious, structured, cautious, controlling, achievers, type A personality, intense fear of failure, accustomed to being the center of attention, hesitant to step out of your comfort zone. So, given all of that information, how do you feel, Erin? Are we addre- Oh, we're addressing this yeah, per... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we're talking about eldest children. Eldest... Hello, my eldest daughters. 
<laughs> okay, but I am also an eldest daughter. I'm just not the eldest of my siblings. Okay, but I feel like there's also something more specific about being the oldest and also the daughter. Sure, sure, I, sure, sure. I, so I have a younger brother, and I, I feel like that is a particular situation. But anyway, we're talking about me, right? Mm-hmm. I'm supposed to answer this personally. Okay. Um, think, can I see that? Things that are true. Okay, it's these two paragraphs. I don't know if you can read my handwriting. This is one across. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this is the strangest way. This is the strangest have, note taken. I have a notebook, and instead of doing one big paragraph, she's uh, in, okay. She's this, written the paragraph across two pages, like like across, like like left to right. Like there's a and then in going the down, like the next rather than like one page down and then the next page down, she's written them across those two pages. It's very inventive, honestly. But it but it goes like this is a paragraph. That's I understand. <laughs> I figured it out. After a second. Okay. Well, maybe I was... I, I think my my explanation was wrong. I made mistakes. Uh, maybe, okay. So, the perfectionism. Yeah. Um, the feeling of responsibility. The type A personality. Feel the uh, feeling you need to be... Relo- you, people, you want everyone to think that you're reliable, you're conscientious, mm-hmm. you're responsible, mm-hmm. you're cautious. Um, you want to impress your parents because you, you were there only for a while. Well, because you want to reflect well on them. All of that is, you know, kind of intense. Um, The only thing I would be... um, I I guess I can see it in other people. I I do not want to be referred to as a type A person. You are, though. Do you think so? Do you know how many times in our podcast we've discussed how you are a perfectionist and I made you this way? Right, but I don't... You want things to be a certain way and go a certain way, and when you lose that control, you are upset about it. I guess... I don't know. Do you disagree, Danielle? I mean, I think that everybody gets upset when things don't go their way. Like, that's not necessarily, like, a... I mean, unless it's just me and you, but I I doubt that. Like, I feel like everybody gets, like, a little bit, like, things didn't go my way, but I haven't found you to be particularly, like... I think you do. You, like, strive to be the opposite. And, like, maybe it goes against your nature, which is why, like, you strive so hard to be like, no, I don't want to be associated with that maybe side of things. It. I want to be chill. I want to yes. be chill. You, yes. you're, I love you so much, and I love everything about you. You're not chill. But, like, I well, don't know. It would be hard to be friends with both of us and be super chill. I guess so. Maybe my problem is that I've always been, I've always associated a type A person with a high maintenance person. Oh, no, no, no. Yes. I don't think that you're high maintenance. No. I do think that you have a hard time being chill. Okay. I can understand that I have a hard time being chill. Elaine. But that's because I'm excited. Seinfeld. I, I want things. Yes. Okay, yes. Elaine from mm-hmm. Seinfeld. But Elaine from Seinfeld can also be a bit of a mess. Yeah. But I also. And Elaine from Seinfeld. Well, I think that you have a way of being cluttery without being messy. Right, this is you true. You have a hard time letting go of, like, sentimental things, but it doesn't mean that you're not still very structured in the way that you <laughs> hold on to them. I some of your drink earlier. Damn, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I took a bite out of every donut in the box. I, I don't care. I've been drinking, like, six months. Like, I, I guess. I just don't drink. I mean, I also have to recognize, and I... Go for it. I don't know. So this, I don't know if this is related. I don't know if other elder children feel this way. But you know how people talk about the idea that comes up in a lot of, like, high school, like, young adult romances where the guy says to the girl, you're not like other girls. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, like, 
as toxic and terrible as this is, like when I was growing up, that's like what you wanted. That's to be. what I wanted to be. Oh, I wanted same. to be the girl who like uh, didn't, didn't need care to be about dressed her up. Appearance, like yeah, didn't, can be one of the guys and you'll still be in love with me. I didn't need guys to carry my stuff. I didn't need guys to help me with stuff. I didn't have a high pitched laugh. I didn't giggle when guys made jokes. Like to me, this was like I wanted to show guys I was like independent. I was on their level, like, I was not to be made fun of, like, this, like, and you to me, like, taken seriously. and to me, you could not be type A and be that, was, you, like, my, my anxiety, yeah. Do you know what you did instead? What? You attracted every single lesbian in a 50 I'm block radius. Not- <laughs> 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 so accurate. You so all the guys were like, this feels like a lot, and all the lesbians were like, ooh, just my type. <laughs> I know, I went, I went, I you went too, too far. far. the men I just don't want them to know that and the girls were like "Mm, gay (laughs) that sounds very gay of you I was like I didn't brush my hair for the is that not the male gaze I'm confused (laughs) (laughs) so this is how we learned in college much in a short period of time. Move on. Any, anything else about being the oldest dragon in the middle? Alright, that was, we'll go back. I'm sure we'll circle. Well, I, I, I can also attest, so like I oh, definitely right. have. Let so my sister is five years older than me, um, and I am almost six years older than my little brother. So we have a really big spread, and I think that that's really important when it comes to birth order, because like my sister's obviously the oldest, and like holds that role throughout um no doubt but then when she moved out when she was 18 I was only 13 so I was like you know kind of like coming into my adolescence and I had this like seven-year-old little brother who then turned eight and became like a lot less (laughs) volatile than he'd been when he was a small child he was a very intense child um Like, people often have intense children, and I just look at it, I'm like, man, I just recognize that from when my little brother was freaking out over every single little thing. And he would bite me, like, all the time, and, like, punch me. But he was so little, and I was so big that it was, like, you kind of just had to, like, be like, okay, well, like, this little toddler is, you know, beating the shit out of me. It's fine. (laughs) This is normal. Um... But I was the older sister to him, and because my sister had moved out, I was really kind of the oldest. oldest yeah. Um, and I definitely, I really struggle when it comes to letting go of responsibility that I have. Um, and when I have that response, like, I just feel such an intense sense of responsibility. Um, and that really is heavy. Like, it's very heavy to carry. Um, and it's really hard when you can't really let it go, um, to be able to, like, relax and let yourself, like, really take that breath and be like, okay, well, like, you know, most things are taken care of and we can let go of the little stuff, but... Um, like that sense of like perfectionism and like needing to have everything just right, like it's almost like addictive. You're like, oh, I need 
Oh, I, no, it's addictive having... <coughs> what's addictive is having someone say, wow, I'm so glad you were there. I know I can count on you to fix it. Yeah. You are being like, wow, you're always there to support me. And having someone say that to you or have it happen multiple times and be like, I did it. Yeah. I saved the day. I was there when other yeah. people weren't. Like, yeah. I can handle it because I'm the one. Like I've been binging Buffy. Mm, yeah. I just finished that. I've started Angel. Um, and Buffy is just like, I could just rewatch the series, like, literally right now. Because I just love, like, it's just, like, such, like, she's just, oh, she's just the glutton for punishment. She just, yeah. like, takes, she's like, I just have to save the world. Because, like, who else is going to fucking do yes. it? No one else is going to do it. I got to do it. And I'm just like, oh. Recently, connect to that so much. Recently in therapy, my therapist Stephanie told me she's a glutton for punishment when it comes to learning about my brain. <laughs> um, okay, so next. In the same- oh, yes. Now no, we're actually on to me. And yes, please, 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 no. please go. Erin's like, please direct the attention no, elsewhere. I'm, I'm just acknowledging that I wrote the paragraphs the same way. No, it's all right. It's fine. It worked out. I kind of like it, honestly. So middle children, secondborns, um, it, it varies source to source whether they're called secondborns or middle children because a lot of the times if you have more than three kids, the secondborn is not inherently the middle. They're one of the oldest. So it like it changes. But there are middle children for this. Middle child, is a, there is a stereotype that middle children are peacekeepers. They tend to enjoy negotiation and compromise. They're competitive with other siblings and might behave more rebelliously. People... Oh, that says people pleaser due to lack of attention (laughs) from your parents because you are the second born. And if if you are the middle child and your next sibling comes very quickly, which was the case for me, like Mm. there really is... You were never the baby. You were never the oldest. It just becomes like, boop, there's three of you. Um, you tend to be somewhat rebellious, thrive in friendship, large social circle, and go with the flow type. I don't know. Do you want to go first, or do you want me to? Go first. Okay. I just stopped. So I am a middle child. I have an older brother who is two years older and a younger sister who is 13 months younger, which means that I was born, and then four months after I was born, my mom got pregnant again. So I truly was never, like, there was no point in my life where I had my parents' full attention, which is fine. That wasn't their fault. It was not planned. It was an accident, an oopsie daisies, if you will. Um, <laughs> oopsie Megan. Megan is a birth control baby, so like multiple forms of birth control. If you don't want to get pregnant, my mom was on the pill and nursing me at the time that she conceived Megan. It should not have been possible, and here we are. Um, at the same vein, the way that Megan was born, and we'll get to into this more when we talk about youngest children, she was not a very healthy baby, and there was a high risk of her not surviving the first night. So, the fact that she did, my parents have doted on her sense, which is fair. You have a baby and you're worried that they're not going to live and then you take a lot of care of them. So, I wouldn't say that I, like, didn't have attention. Um, I would say that I sought out attention to a, to a great degree. And I would say that I'm not a people pleaser. I'm not a, well, I'm not a peacekeeper. In our family... <laughs> Everyone... Danielle's holding a bag of potato chips. Do you need a second? We're just gonna pause here. <laughs> okay, I think so. You good? I can get to them now. Okay. I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. It's alright. We need to leave all of that in. In our family. I was just so hungry. <laughs> 
have snacks in this house. Uh, and our family, Megan, was the, the peacekeeper. Ethan and I fought constantly. So there's, there's basically like two types of personality in my family. There's the strong-willed, outgoing, extroverted, I'm going to be the best at everything person. And there's the like quiet, introverted, artistic person. Ethan and I were both the first. Megan was the second. My dad is the first. My mom is the second. And so in our family, Ethan and I fought constantly. And Megan was always thrown into the middle. And she'd be like, I'm not going to pick a side. Figure it out. So there was no real peacekeeper. I am great at negotiation. I do love to compete. I am a little bit rebellious. Um, and I thrive on friendship. That was one of the things that I read a lot was like middle children tend to put friendship above family because not that they were like neglected, but like as far as the attention that their siblings got, they don't get as much. And so they don't have as close of a connection to their like biological family. So they make their own family, which I feel like is true for me. Not that I don't like my family. I love them. But I feel like like you guys specifically, Aaron and Danielle, are who I would pick. You know what I mean? I do see what you mean. Uh, I, hmm. It's interesting because I also feel like all this stuff is obviously going to change and develop over time. Because, like... Like, that's, like, part of being human is, like, understanding that people won't be here forever. Right. And like, you need to build networks around yourself so that even when you lose super important people, you have other important people in your life. Sure. Right. And it's weird when you meet, when, you know, people come run into roadblocks because they relied on one specific group for mm-hmm. every, you know, social, emotional need. But it's like... Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I also, I had a, I definitely didn't always understand that, like, all the other friends I had in high school or elementary school or whatever, like, all saw each other all the time, like, over the weekends. Like, I was like, don't you just go home and hang out with your family? You mm-hmm. also have a very close family structure. Like, Erin's best friend was her cousin who lived in the same duplex as her, and they had a door in their basement that connected their houses. Right. Like, that's not everybody's life. Right, right, right. Yeah, it was a... That's, like, me and... So, like, that's the other thing I have to address is, like, Leah, who is... Essentially was, like, my older sister growing up, but, like, isn't quite a year older than me. Um, kind of did all the things for me that you would want an older sister to do for you uh, in terms of... Teaching I don't know. You. Yeah, teaching you, telling you what the older kids are up to, what they're talking about. Were you guys in the same grade, or was she the grade above? No, you? she was the grade above me. So it was really like the the kids older than you. She was like, "Here's what's happening in in whatever grade." So Leah was the grade above me, but then Lauren is five years older than Leah. Oh, geez, I didn't know so, there was that much. Yeah, of a gap. there was that much of a gap between them. So Lauren was always telling Leah, you know, what like the high schoolers were up to, or what the middle schools were up to. So Leah was always even more grown up than kids typically are our age and still is now mm. um oh leah is very mature leah if you listen to this you're phenomenal and very very put together um she is this is all true <laughs> and i think she listens because she follows up on us on instagram so. oh really yeah okay hello leah <laughs> hello leah rich shout oh. out okay children. Yeah. and they're wonderful babies um but anyway so like i feel like i did benefit from that and I wasn't totally isolated in the way I think some older children feel isolated. Sure. Um, but also, Leah and I were really different and made a lot of different choices. So it wasn't exactly like 
the way they talk about, you know, your first child being your experiment and your second child sort of whatever, um, that has that to go off of. I was just interested because Aaron is a middle child. Mm, oh, my is. husband. Right. Um, but he's not your typical... He, he's but, your... That's funny, though, because all of our boyfriend's fiancé husband are middle children. Yeah. But, but Aaron, I have to specify, Aaron's one of those, like, He's the second oldest, but he, Missy technically is the fourth sibling, and she's younger. You so know? John has five siblings, so it's he is he and his brother. He's the oldest of his him and his brother, which is like the same dad. But then he's got like a older sibling by like ten years, and then an older sibling by like fifteen years and like twenty years. Like, See, that's why wow. I had kids over like such a long. She got her tubes tied. And then untied them and had two more children. See, that's can that's you imagine how anything more insane, Martha? I don't know how you did it, <laughs> Martha. What is your thought process? But that's kind of how Jason's is because his dad was married for he's on his fourth marriage. Oh jeez. Um. So his first his first marriage was the first three kids, Jeff, Jason, and Susie. Jason's the middle. Then he got married mm-hmm. again and had a fourth, Josh. And then he got married again and had a fifth, Lauren. And so Jason is the second oldest of five, mm-hmm. but of his, like, core siblings, because there's a, he's 10 years older than his fourth sibling, and, like, 13 or 14 years older than his most, because his, his youngest sister is only two years older than us. Um, this is complicated. So, so, <laughs> I'm like, like, I have like not of, of his core siblings who he, like, spent the most of his developmental years with, Jason is the middle child. But then right. if you add in the next couple of siblings... And then include, like, step-siblings and siblings from his mom's side, which that just gets complicated. More so, like, he ends up being the second born out of, like, 15 kids, which is insane. But if you ask him, he'll go, no, I'm the middle child and here are my siblings. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's just developed. more based on your, like, your experience yeah. growing up right. rather than, like, your actual physical birth So order. if, if right. you go by, like, physical, physical birth order, his attitude doesn't make sense. But, like, for the first eight years of his life, he was the second of three. Mm-hmm. Which right. makes sense. Jason is the most attention-seeking person I've ever met. <laughs> huh. I'm curious, Danielle, mm-hmm. what your experience is being a middle child. Yeah, as a middle child, my mother told me um, on the phone the other day that when I was, like, ten years old, I wrote her a letter to tell her that I felt like I was not getting quite enough attention and that I just needed a little bit more. Shut up. Which my, both my siblings were very, like, I'm very, I'm like, my mom calls me, like, the cream filling. Like, I'm, I can take in either direction. Like, I'm like, I. We discussed earlier today, pre-podcast, that that's kind of how you are for me and Aaron, too. Yeah, like, I'm I'm I'm, middle ground. Like, I'm, I'm I'm very good at that. (laughs) And so... It is, like, very interesting to, uh, like, look at my role in all of my relationships. Like, as a middle child, like, I am very much fully... You are the peacekeeper. I am the peacekeeper. Like, that is, like, 100%. Like, that is is my role. And my my siblings are both more volatile than I am. Hmm. um, Because they were responding to what was happening around them in different ways. Like, we all do. And, like, my, you know, role and my kind of, um, you know, internal feeling was to, like, you know, solve the problem, fix what was happening, make everybody happy, and, like, Mm. I could totally do it. You know, like, I'm good at it. 
and like that's like almost you like are. the superstitious part of me is like that's like, like I had a therapist power. who forever was like you know that you can't actually like you know change other people's behavior and I'm like <laughs> but I can <laughs> and he's like no but like yeah, it, does it ever work this and I'm like Mm, but it does. Um, because I'm like, to some point, if you can defuse all of the bombs that could possibly happen along the path, yes. you're going to reduce the amount of explosions. Like, that's well, just how it works. I feel like I fell into that role in, like, the... I wasn't a peacekeeper, but I was a people pleaser, where I similarly mm. had a therapist mm. say to me once, like, Hannah takes care of Danielle, and Hannah takes care of Aaron, and Hannah takes care of her mom, and Hannah takes care of her kids. Who takes care of Hannah? And I said, Hannah does. And they went... That's not going to work. And I was like, well, it's worked so far. And they're like, well, you wouldn't be in therapy if it did. So, uh, 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 yeah. I'm that, was, that was therapist Erin. Therapist Erin? She was amazing. I liked therapist Erin. I approve of all therapists named Erin. I wish that I had lived closer to her now because I would continue seeing her, but she's much too far from me. Yeah, that is the struggle. Um, but I, I feel like in, in the ways that we are similar... We're also very different. We're like, I am that, like, I want every, like I said to Jason last night, I was like, I need everybody to like me. And he was like, everybody's not going to like you. We were talking about his ex-wife and the kids. And I was like, she, if she finds out like X, Y, or Z, she's not going to like me. And he went, why do you care what she thinks? And I said, I care what everybody thinks. And he went, don't do that. We're like, I am that people pleaser. That is my drink. Um, I'm fairly certain that you are recorded. Saying that I'm allowed to drink it. So. <laughs> I did say I took a bite of every you donut. You can fight me on it if you want, but I've got video or I've got audio proof. <laughs> you dumb bitch. <laughs> but at, in the same way, like, I have never been the peacekeeper. I, I've done it for, like, a job. Like, I've mediated as, like, a family counselor. But in, like, my personal life, whereas you are an amazing peacekeeper mm. and you're great at seeing every point of view and being like, this is how I think that you feel and this is how I think that they feel and maybe if we all felt the same way, we could come to a compromise. Mm. Yeah, mm. that's definitely... Definitely close. Jason's not good at either of those things. He has neither of those middle child traits. <laughs> well, um, but see, that's an interesting thing, is I do feel like it's different between men and women. Oh, yeah. for Girls sure. And, or, yeah. And yeah. I think, I think it's just like between how oh. men were treated when he was growing up versus us growing up, because he's a little older. Oh, yeah. Than Jason is 43. 12, 12, 12 years old? 16. 16. Okay. Was Jason was born in 78, um, so he grew up in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. Whereas we grew up in the 2000s and 2010s. Well, I guess, yeah. Well, we, really were, we were born late we were 90s. Um, we, we're like the last kids that I would truly consider like, 90s even kids. close to 90s kids. Because once you get 95, you're like, man, you were only like five in the 2000s that already started. So like, what well, do you really remember from when you were <laughs> well, four about pop culture? Not very much. Here's the deal. Like, I have an active memory of when it turned 2000. Me too. And like it being a big deal in school and making the posters and being like 2000. My dad had food, still has food hoarded in our basement you don't from Y2K. You don't remember Y2K? Not I don't really. think that I would if my dad hadn't taken it so seriously. We still mm. have MREs. My dad is a military person. In our basement that he stole, wasn't well, steal, but took and hoarded for Y2K because he was someone who was convinced the world was going to end, the computers were going to stop. We oh. still have them in our basement. We have canned food from, like, 2000. We, like... We were prepared for the apocalypse at my parents' house. 
Oh, I just remember it because we were making a poster in class, and I had this idea to hot glue beads. <laughs> and I found out that what happens when you have a poster board and you hot glue beads to it is that when the hot glue dries, the beads fall off. Fall off. <laughs> they do oh. not. It just dries. The glue becomes hard, and the beads fall off. And my all the beads fell off of my. 2000 beautiful poster <sighs> elementary school craft projects going wrong could be a whole separate subject <laughs> we, we could talk about that but we're not going to we're not okay <laughs> do we want to talk about youngest so we're so going to we relate to our siblings that are we're the going youngest. to skip youngest and we're going to skip to only and then we'll go back to youngest because i have a secret youngest surprise okay um, so we're going to go to only siblings which share a lot of the same traits as oldest siblings because Oldest were the only for however long it took for their parents to have another kid. One year, five years, six months, whatever it was, you you were the only at one point as the as the oldest. And so it's it's a very short paragraph, but it's mostly the same stuff. And then it says that parents may have been overprotective, is what that says. I wrote this really quickly in the dark this morning at 8 a.m. because I could not do this work last night. So anyways, parents were overprotective. You grow to be mature and self-sufficient um, due to being mostly surrounded by adults. You are a perfectionist. You are diligent. You are leaders. It also said that like either you are mature and self-sufficient or you are attention-seeking and immature and you don't know how to do anything on your own because your parents did it all for you. Hmm. Or in order to get your parents' attention as an only because they were with their adult friends all the time, like you had to not be able to do these things. So it was very much like black and white. Either you can do everything on your own because you were on your own, or you can do nothing on your own because your parents helped you with everything. Um, and I don't know a lot of only children. I dated an only child once. He sucked as a human being. Um, we don't have to get into that. But um, well, my cousin Jamie, she was oh, I an only child. That she's an only. I mean, obviously we grew up very close, but. Well, yeah. that's that's where I feel like your family dynamic plays into it. Where like you were telling us earlier today that. You are the oldest of your siblings, but you have older cousins, and you have a lot of younger cousins, and you all grew up kind of as each other's siblings. So, like, as right. much as Jamie's an only, I also would argue that she's not. Right. And, like, Nicole? Do you yeah. remember my yeah. cousin, Nicole? Yeah. Technically my second cousin. They're, once they, removed, Nicole. Aaron's family goes into, like, fifth cousins. Just, if she says cousin, it's a cousin. Right. Um, it's technically also an only. Yeah. Um, and they're also, very different. Well, they're they're very they're very Bennett. They're compassionate. They're worried about other people. They don't ever put themselves first. They're mature for their age. They're socially acceptable. Like I feel like some only children are like socially inept. They're very self centered. They're very attention seeking. And that's it. Those are their three qualities. And Those are their three qualities. I know any only siblings. The only one I can think of is Eichel Artlet. Yes. <laughs> that was that was clever. And he was a dick, but his parents spoiled him his whole life. Ouch. In into our relationship. Like he didn't have to ever worry about anything because mommy and daddy would take care of it. And I always I always resented that. Mm-hmm. He didn't have any self-sufficiency. Yeah, I missed Whereas I feel like Jamie and Nicole, I you still... wouldn't... Like, there's people you meet and you're like, you weren't only. Like, the way that you're behaving right now, you never had to compete for anything. Uh-huh. Jamie and Nicole, I don't feel like, have those traits. You know what mm. I mean? 
And it right. could also be their parents. They learned so it through another have, avenue other than siblings. You have very... Rather than just ignore the need. Right. And you have very generous, capable adults in your family, whereas I feel like some families fail at that. Like, there might be one couple who's, like, great at raising kids, and the rest of them are kind of stuck. All of your aunts and uncles, from from my experience, and I've been very intertwined in your family, <laughs> are, are pretty sufficient parents. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do see what you're saying. Um... So I do feel like your family's the exception. <laughs> well, I mean, we definitely... I do want to say we have our quirks and every... Oh, I'm no, sure and, all and the... nobody's, nobody's perfect. I'm not by any means being like, your family's a perfect family and you can't complain about anything. Absolutely not. Right, right, right. But... Comparatively. Right, if you're looking at... Definitely sometimes when you and Danielle talk about different circumstances you experienced and I reflect on, like, other experience I've had or in my family... I can be like, okay, in the moment as a child, this was maybe, you know, not great or upset me, but, like, in the grand <laughs> scheme of things, it was not, like, ultimately affecting right. my ability and to adjust to adulthood. Like, I would say, like, <laughs> like, both viewing it from the outside and being an intimate part of your family in certain situations, from the outside, you do have a very perfect-looking family, but I also have seen, like, everyone have faults and flaws, and there's cousins, and you all fight, and there's siblings, and you all fight, and, like... The aunts and uncles are all siblings, so they all, like, obviously don't always get along. Like, that is a standard understood thing. Of but families, if you were to look right. at it from, like, a broad scheme of outsidedness, you'd be like, oh, look at them being good people. <laughs> that make them, should that make them all happy? That you make can them all... Tell, tell everyone that I said that. I I'll, will. I'll go visit Auntie Karen soon. She invited me over once. Well, she told me she's going to listen to this podcast, so. Oh, hi, Auntie Karen. <laughs> we love you. <laughs> Um, yeah, but, uh, what was, so we were talking about only children. Okay, right, I'm trying to think of any of our... I literally oh, cannot think of any you only know, children. You know who's an only child that we all have some kind of friendship, at least, with, who would not be, not mind being, me- well, I can't talk, not mind being mentioned by name. Who? James Rinini. Oh! <laughs> James Rinini is a man James that we went to college Rini. with. Because um, <laughs> I was like, I was like, Hannah, I literally... Don't know. Who I'm you're like, say. I, I was he, also surprised. James is an only child. James fits all of these things. Yes. Lovely, lovely person. Him and I are still good friends. We talk pretty frequently. Um, he is something else. If you ever have a chance to meet a James Bernini, keep him around. Which, one whichever only. one you happen to meet, just you know, just 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 deal with what you've got because <laughs> you know. He, it's possible that it could be a great decision in your life. I was, oh, I was going to say something, but I don't know if it's a, if it's appropriate to say something. All right, well, if we'll you, if you, if you, you of all people, <laughs> it's not. I can guarantee you, it's not appropriate. I would say it's youngest time for youngest children. Okay, it wasn't. It wasn't like I don't want anybody to think that I'm being facetious. It was. It's fine. Everything's fine. Jen you've been shouted out. If you don't listen to our podcast, I will. You heard it it from the woman. All right, youngest. Okay, so I'm going to read this, and then before we discuss our, because we all, all three of us have younger siblings Mm -hmm. who are also the babies of the family, I have a secret sibling surprise. Okay. Okay. So youngest, wow. Take one of two paths. The first is a clear journey to success where you try and excel in every way and become the go-to person in the family. And the second is avoidant and you lack confidence and you lack drive to do those things. 
So you're either like, I'm going to be competitive, I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the best, or you're like, oh, well, my older siblings took it, so I'll just exist. Um, youngest children are creative, rebellious, and outgoing. Most fun-spirited, oh, sorry, free-spirited of the siblings. I truly don't know what my handwriting ever says. Fun-loving, uncomplicated, manipulative, outgoing, attention-seeking, self-centered, or naturally charming. Those are all the things that I got from the internet. That felt like a little contradiction. It did. To me, that was quite a few descriptors. It did. So I, I feel like it's one or the other. It's like you're fun-loving, outgoing, and naturally charming, or you're like a little bit manipulative, a little bit attention-seeking, a little bit self-centered. Hmm. I don't think that those nine traits, I don't know how many I said, match super well, but I think that it is very possible to be like a group of some and not the others. I do want to say the caveat is all, of all this is that you can be a mix of all these things. Oh, yeah, obviously. yeah. Um, I personally feel like there are points in my life where I was the oldest, the middle, and the youngest. Because there are points in my life where, like, I took care of my younger sister, or, like, my brother had to take care of me. And also points where, like, I've been the mediator. Mm. And so I think it depends on where your age is. We have a friend. This makes me think specifically of Tony. Who is one of 11 siblings. And they split themselves into three groups, and so he's the second oldest of the youngest four. (laughs) Which means that he's, like, the youngest of 11, but if you split it into those those three age groups, because they split themselves in, it's, like, three, three, and four, or four, four, and three. I don't know how math works. Eight, nine, eleven. Four, four, and three. (laughs) Um, He is the second oldest of the youngest four, which means that in his mind, he's an oldest. But in in this length of 11 siblings, he's one of the youngest. Hmm. And like that totally because of the age youngest. differences, that's that totally changes how his birth order affects him, because it, it really worked that way. Where like there, I asked him once, I was like, how does how's the age differences work? And he said that mom and dad had like four kids within a year or two of each other, took a few years off, weren't planning on having more, had another three kids within a year or two of each other, took four or five years off, weren't planning on having more, and then all of a sudden got pregnant with four more kids within a year or two of each other, which is why oh. they split themselves up that way. Because Roman Catholics and all that junk. <laughs> um, and all that junk. <laughs> so it, it really does like... For, about. for them, No, birth control. <laughs> for them, it, it worked out that way that it was like, there's four kids within a close age gap, there's three kids within a close age gap, and there's four kids within a close age gap. Like, so for him, he is, he is an oldest, even though he has seven siblings, eight siblings older than him. Like, that's crazy to me. Right. Yeah, but that's interesting. I mean, like we said, it's all about perspective. And and I feel like it's who you're closest to that you see yourself relative yeah. to. Like, yeah, really it needs to be described more in like the role and circumstances that surround how you grew up to really be like nailing the point. So something that I think is super cool about birth order, like when Alfred Adler first... Um, investigated it and and came up with it and discovered this theory in 1910, they were like, this is kind of bullshit. And they felt that way until 1996 when Frank Soloway came out with his investigation of it, but it's still being developed today. Like, 1996 was after we were born. Mm. Not by a lot, but, like, like psychology is such a new field that birth order is still being learned about and developed, and that's why I couldn't find a lot of history on it, and that's why a lot of things that I did find were contradictive. Mm. That's interesting. There's still a lot to learn. There is. And I, I honestly, it's one of my favorite subjects, and I would love to be somebody who gets to study it. 
but I'm not really entering into a master's degree that will allow me to do such a thing. <laughs> but you could later in the future. I, I mean, could. people take different yeah. paths. Well, definitely. Um, You're a resident of New Hampshire, so you and age tuition like matchy. Right. It's if, like if I get thirty thousand a year to go if you're out of state. I gotta complete the master's degree me. that I'm in, and then when that one's done, we can talk about more. Um, but would you like to hear my surprise? I would. So as far as youngest siblings go, we all have our own, right? You have Darren, I have Megan, you have Steven. Yes. Aaron is Steven, Danielle is Darren. I just remembered that nobody else can see me. <laughs> <laughs> I was nodding at them. Doesn't work. Um, but Steven went to the same college as us. He's only two years younger than us, and we all collectively adopted him as a younger sibling. So when I was doing this research today, I called him. And I said, this is super important. You have to answer me. And he said, what is it? And I said, it's about the podcast. And he laughed at me. I asked him it wasn't an emergency. So he wouldn't, like, wake up and panic. Um, and I said, so as far as birth order goes. And he went, are you serious? And I went, you are, <laughs> you are a collective younger brother. I need an answer. None of us are youngest. So, Stephen said that he's, and I also, like, I told him that I was going to share all this. And he was like, all right, here's my information for you. He said he's definitely outgoing, fun-loving, and attention-seeking. He can be self-centered, but he doesn't feel like he's manipulative. Where's the other bad one? Um, I guess that was the only other bad yeah. one. He doesn't feel like he's manipulative. He says that in certain situations, he can be self-centered. He can be, like, extra attention-seeking. He can be whatever. But as far as all those goes, he doesn't feel like he's, like, a bad guy, quote-unquote. Which, like, I agree with. Um, he also said, I said, how about like competitiveness? Cause it's something that came up a lot with like, competitiveness between siblings. And he said that he doesn't think that you ever realized, Aaron, that he was competing with you, <laughs> but he was always really bad at the things that you were good at. So he would try and rub the things that he was good at in your face. So he'd always be like, <laughs> I, look at all these math scores I got. You can't do math, but he could have never written the kind of paper that you could have written. And he said that his whole life. He tried to be the best at things, but he could never compete with you the things that you were good at because you were so good at them. <laughs> it makes me feel so terrible. <laughs> no, you shouldn't. You should feel good. No, it makes me feel so bad. Well, because like I was also striving at these things because I was like, I don't know. I definitely had a um, neat. I don't know where this came from. I don't know what psychology would justify this. I don't know where in my little child brain this developed, but I definitely developed some kind of chip on my shoulder at some point that was like, I need to win contests. That's being the oldest. That's your parents unknowingly put that, like not intentionally, you have the best, loveliest parents, but at some point, subconsciously they were like, be the best at things. You are our firstborn. Because it made you them are, happy. You are the test that we know how to parent do good. So when I like came home with any, you know, whatever ribbon a or reward from or trophy. school, like my parents were so happy and I was like, I need to keep making me happy. I need to keep doing this. All the time. This. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, other things like gave me horrible anxiety and I got bad grades at like math Like tests. math. Yeah. Um, so Stephen recognizes that you're bad at math and rubbed that in your face. He and did. And he said... That he doesn't think that you ever recognized that he was competing. And I said, knowing what I know about Erin, I would believe that she had no idea that you've been competing your entire 
23 years of existence? Well, no, because I thought we're good at such different things. And I and I never thought of it as competing because, like, I wanted him to succeed. <laughs> like, I... I want... Which is just, like, you're a good person. Not that he's not, but, like, you are just, like, the epitome of sweet, honest, good person where you're, like, everybody should be good at something. I don't want right. to compete and with I you. And I didn't want anyone to, like... Feel and, that. And Steven, I, like, Steven should get a lot of credit because he was... He was technically the youngest one in his class based on his birthday. Mm-hmm. And he was also the smallest. And he was the youngest in your family. The youngest in our family. The, I don't, the only younger cousin other than him was one. He had one younger cousin. Which and is like, like we discussed, many, your, your cousins were like your siblings. So it wasn't just like your younger brother. He was 12 I people's younger, younger brother. brother. <laughs> and then he went to college and became our <laughs> younger brother. And I still, like I told him today that he's 12. And he went, I should go to bed, Hannah. Uh, okay, it's not. it's eight a.m. Goodbye. Not anymore. No, and he's he's he twenty. He we're we're twenty eight, so he's twenty five. And I do think we should point out, just for the record, I want people to recognize Stephen is now very tall. He is a Spartan racing. Oh my god! Track running triath not triathlon biathlon like, competitive uh, athlete. So let's, let's not just say very tall. The majority of Aaron's family is is not. They are Aaron is five one. Yeah. Her dad is probably he's shorter than me, so I would say like five, 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 six. Maybe. Uh, on a good day. On, on a good day, Stephen is like six two. Yeah. Like he we don't like we don't know how that happened. Very tall. His uncles are short. His aunts are short. His your grandfather's tall though. Taller than. He's he's my height, and yeah, he's, and he's yeah. in his eighties. Like. Yeah. So like at for an eighty like that's tall. And I am I am five eight five nine. So Stephen is a is a fucking giant in their family. Yeah, but he still has power. that that face. They're like, mm. I mean, here's the deal. Stephen and I look very alike, so I really can't make fun of Stephen's face because it is my face. Well, <laughs> uh, for reference, Aaron and I went to the liquor store today, and I went first, and we both had masks on because COVID. And she didn't even, like, glance twice at me. I the, got to, the checkout lady. Yeah, I got to pay my tab, whatever. I bought my two bottles of whatever. Erin comes up, and immediately she puts on her glasses, and the checkout lady puts on her glasses and goes, I need your ID. And I was like, absolutely, here it is. I'll even take off my mask for you. Like, what do you need? And she goes, how old are you now? And Erin goes, mm, 28? She she was like, all right, I guess you can beg. Like, if someone asked me that, I wouldn't fucking know how old I am. Yeah, I, I said 28 the other day, and then I was like, oh, shit, I'm only 27. I, I would probably say 25. I, I'd be like, that is the age that I liked the most so far. That's how old I am. <laughs> I don't know. If you ask me my birthday, I can say it. My age? I can't do math. <laughs> Yeah, it all blurs after you're 22. It really, just blurs. Really, truly, after 22, <laughs> it's all just like a mush. I haven't turned 30 yet, so I can't tell you about my 30s. But I'm going to assume that it's going to be similar. Were they 30 to like 39? All meld into one <laughs> massive decade of existence. Well, I can say for sure that Jason doesn't know how old he is. He's 43. He's going to be 44 in March. And recently he asked me his age and he went, am I 41 or 42? And I said, buddy, you're 43. And he went, no. And I said, let's do the math. It's 2022. <laughs> this is the year that you were born. Like, I can't do much math, but I know how old you are because I know how old you were when I met you. And he went, oh, weird. 
But his last birthday, we celebrated it like it was his 30th. And so his daughter, my stepdaughter, also is convinced that he's a year older than he is and has always been like this. Like, when I met him, he had just turned 41. And the whole year, that whole year that I had first met him, she was like, no, he's 42, he's 42, he's 42. And so this last birthday, I was like, he's turning 30. Pissed her off so bad. <laughs> she is the youngest. Like, I can I can compare these things to my children because they are the, like, epitome of stereotypes as far as oldest and youngest go because there's just two of them. And, <laughs> and they have two sets of parents because their parents are divorced. And they do have a younger sister now on their mom's side, but like still, because Peyton was eight, Jackson was 11 or 12, 12, 12 or 13 when that sister was born. So like, it is a big it's like a gap. Separate family at that point. Right. I mean, they're quite, they're quite, cl- even though they might say this now, like they are definitely close in oh, the yeah. experiences they have shared. They're um, they're three and a half years apart, and they will tell you that they don't like each other, but they spend any second that they can together and pretend to fight the whole time. Like, like uh, I feel like me and Ethan did, and Ethan and I now in our in our twenties, Ethan's will be thirty this year. Um, we did the same thing where like we genuinely did not like each other. My older brother and me, throughout high school, we fought constantly. When he left for college, he told me he couldn't wait to be away from me. He was gone for a semester, so like three months. He came back and he went, you have to go to the same school as me. I would like to keep an eye on you. And then I did. Um, And then we became best friends. And now he lives in another state, and I live here, and everything's good. So I I do have confidence that they'll like each other in the future. But, yeah. But see, I don't know. I feel like Steve and I always liked each other. You guys have the strangest. and I definitely always liked each other. You, both of you, Danielle and Aaron, both of you and your brothers, have to me, like, as as what I know as, like, my sibling relationships growing up, the strangest, most comfortable relationships. But it's our younger brother. Mm-hmm. That's Me and my younger sister never got along but either. But, no, your younger sister is different than your younger brother. Yeah. It's... My, my older brother and my younger sister and I, they were best friends. They loved each other. Now it is very different. I'm close with both of them. They're not so close with each other. But growing up, none of us got along. Yeah, we got along for the most part. I mean, my brother was a little bit testy as a as a toddler until he was like eight, and then he kind of chilled out. Um, but we always, I mean, like still to this day, generally well, like each other. Well, I I would fucking die for Darren. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen him in like gem. six years and just just like being social media friends with him, I would die for Darren. Um, I feel like it'd be worth it to have all of our siblings on. Well, like I would love to hear Steven actually talk about it. Steven, I have to say, whenever he listens to this, everyone should know, Steven Bennett is an excellent storyteller. Oh my god, <laughs> yes he is. And I'm sure he, he did have a few. He did call me today. I took a brief nap at like 9 p.m. because I was drunk and tired and I was woken up from my nap because I, my phone was ringing and it was Steven and I went, what's wrong? And he said, I just want you to know that I finally listened to your first episode and I better be on one in the future. <laughs> I was like, listen to the fucking rest of them and we'll talk. <laughs> um, um, I would like to bring up another subject if you guys are okay with that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. I think I know so, what it is. The other thing that we did tonight before we recorded is I have seen it like six or seven times now. But Daniel and Aaron watched Encanto for the first time. 
And I would like to talk about birth order surrounding the siblings and the cousins in the show. So for this, I looked up all their ages so that we can all be clear on who's oldest and who's youngest and who's middle because uh, honestly, the first three or four times I watched it, I wasn't sure. I knew I knew who was youngest as far as like Mirabelle, Isabella, and Luisa, but I wasn't sure who was oldest and middle. And obviously, I know that Antonio's the youngest, uh, Antonio, Camillo, and Dolores, but like didn't know who was oldest. So um, do you want to go birth order as far as all of the cousins together? Because they are very similarly to you, Erin. I think we should pause for a second just for anyone who's not cut up. Um, and Kanto is the most recent movie from Disney. Pix- Disney Pixar. Yeah. Is it still Disney Pixar? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it is a animated film following the story of the Madrigal family. Um, in, they're a Colombian family uh, who all have magical gifts. Except for the Mirabelle, Mirabelle well, the protagonist. Uh, sorry to say this earlier, but like spoiler alert: if you haven't watched it, go watch it before you listen to the rest of this. Oh yes, these are spoilers. Um, um, so pause here. It is here. also sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to make sure that we one recognize the film we're talking about, and everyone has a chance to. Oh yeah, and and like if you if you don't have Disney Plus, find someone who does because it is so worth it. The songs are great. The atmosphere is great. The story is great. Oh, so not a sponsored ad. Oh yeah, no, nothing is sponsored yet. <laughs> we're we're hoping for it, but not yet. We would have played music, but like rights. Um, <laughs> I I could sing it all, uh, but also oh shit, what was I gonna say? Oh no, the Madrigal family. Mirabelle doesn't get a gift. Right, Mirabelle is the protagonist who does not get a magical gift like the rest of her siblings and cousins, um, and aunts and uncles. And that's the the premise is Mirabelle trying to figure out she she wants to contribute to the family. Oh, the the whole thing. Oh, what I was gonna say is it is set in like the nineteen fifties. It it starts in like nineteen o two ish. There's a war that I should have looked up the name of before we started this podcast. That happens in Colombia. It's a civil war. They're running away, and then she says at the beginning of the movie, Abuela says like. 50 years ago, so you know that it's it's roughly the 1950s. Um, and I would say that also in that time, based on the research that I've done and the things that I've listened to, and, and I would like to also say that like none of us are people who are a part of this ethnicity or culture, and so we cannot speak on this in that level. But based on what I've read, that was very much like the deal was you did things for your family. They were coming out of a war. They were coming out of a depression. It was you serve your family or or nothing, and so that is a huge premise of the movie. Is Mirabelle is trying to figure out how to serve her family, right? Um, so the ages: Isabella and Dolores are both twenty one. Um, they are cousins. Isabella is the daughter of what Ju- is Julieta. Julieta. Julieta, and I we know her dad's name like once. Oldest sister of Mirabelle. I cannot remember her dad's name. And Dolores is the son of Peppa and... Dolores is the daughter. Sorry. <laughs> Dolores is <laughs> the daughter of Peppa and her husband, Felix, I want to say. I think yeah. you're right. Um, and Dolores can hear things from a far distance. Isabella is the one who makes all the flowers. She's perfect, is what we learned in the movie. Um, then comes Luisa, who is 19. Luisa is Isabella's younger sister. She is the super strong one, also the daughter of Julieta and their dad. dad. <laughs> um, then comes Camilo, who is Dolores' younger brother, daughter of Peppa and Felix. 
He can shapeshift. He is 15. Along with Camilo is Mirabelle, who is also 15. Um, she is the youngest of Julieta and her husband, Isabella Luisa's youngest sister. And then to finish out the six is Antonio, who is the one who's getting his gift during the movie. He's five. He is the youngest sibling of Dolores and Camilo, youngest of Peppa and Felix. So the first is Dolores and Isabella. They are both the oldest, and not only the oldest siblings, the oldest cousins. Mm. Um, they are both 21. They were born probably within months of each other. So how do we feel that they fit into the oldest sibling scope? Firstborns. Responsible. Perfectionist. Oh, perfectionist for sure. Perfectionist in Isabella. Is it Isabella or Isabella? Isabella. Isabella. Um... I would say Dolores is the people pleaser. Mm. She hears everything and she wants to make the family proud and she wants to make them happy so she tells everybody's secrets because she has to. Right. Dolores is interesting because I feel like if you... She she doesn't get her own song and I wish she did. Mm. But I feel like the movie definitely hints that she's a little bit playing second fiddle to Isabella. Um, and doesn't... I wonder if, and the Googling that I didn't tell me, but I wonder if Isabella is even, like, a couple months older than Dolores. Mm. It's, the, that, okay. the narrative definitely suggests that. We also discussed before recording that, like, um, Peppa and Julieta and Bruno are triplets, but in, in my mind and how I've understood the story, I would believe that out of the triplets, Bruno is the youngest, Peppa is the middle, and Julieta is the oldest. Right, they give that energy. And so I think, like, the oldest raising the oldest, where, like, Julieta is, Isabella's mom, gives the idea that, like, she she needs to be perfect. It, like, plays into that. I I feel like I would need to pay more attention to Dolores the next time I watch it. She doesn't get a lot of screen time. No. She doesn't, but she has, like, such a crucial role. role. Like, she can hear everything in the house. Like, imagine being able to hear everything your family says all the time. I'm pretty sure I would be traumatized. <laughs> that's fair. Well, that's that's like the scene, and again, I would like to reiterate, there are going to be spoilers from this point on. This is my last warning. Um, the scene where... Oh, I wish I could remember his name, but Mirabel Mirabelle and her dad are in the room, and she's like, oh, I didn't mean to show you this vision that I found that in the tower that I wasn't supposed to go to. Yeah. And he goes, no one's going to know about this. No one's going to, we're just going to keep it a secret. Everything is fine until after the thing. And Dolores goes, I know. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I, I do feel like that has to be a metaphor for something. Like, that has to be... <sighs> like, she just, she doesn't mean to hear him. And that's the thing, too. Like, she can't turn her gift off. Some people can turn it, like, but Bruno like- can see visions when he wants to see visions. And uh, Camilo can shapeshift when he wants to shapeshift, for the most part. Dolores hears everything all the time, no matter if she wants to or not. Mm. Which is an interesting, like, connection of the dot between her... Am I right? Her mom is the one with the weather. Yeah. She she can't get rid of controlling the weather. But I I do feel like Dolores' power must have something to do with, like, hoarding family secrets. Uh, Absolutely. The whole movie is very much, like, generational trauma. And, like, not being able to share everything and having to be responsible for that. Yeah. So then the next, the middle three are Luisa, which, who is the strong one. She's 19. And then Camilo and Mirabelle, who are both 15. 
out of the cousins. So Luisa's the middle out of her siblings. Camilla was the middle out of his, but he's the same age as Mirabel, who's the youngest. So I think that in a way, especially since Mirabel had to live in the nursery with Antonio, mm-hmm. she is also a middle sibling. Because there's mm. there was really no divide between like who's a sibling and who's a cousin in the movie. Like, except for her saying it. Like, the way they were raised was very much like, a village raises all of you. Right. Yeah, they were all very interconnected. Yeah. So, the interesting thing that happened when we watched the movie is I'm pretty sure we all said we relate the most to Louisa. (laughs) It was just that song. But they all had great songs, but we all said, you know, Louisa's song just, I don't know, just hits really hard. The weight, I think, of being the oldest daughter, never mind the oldest sibling, never mind the middle or youngest, and even for you, Danielle, we're like, you, you aren't. But because of different things that happened in your family, you became that when your sister moved out. Mm. Like, that is fucking pressure. But it, but Louisa's not even the oldest. And she's the middle. She's just the one. She's just the but one. But she carries the burdens. <clears throat> because Isabella is perfect. Well, right. Like, like everyone's saying, they understand Isabella's role. And it's to be pretty and... Get married mm-hmm. for some, you know. And Dolores okay, is going to tell us what's happening. But that people can ask, you know, everyone can ask Louisa for. And you see a that favor. in her scene where, like, she's walking around and, and Mirabelle's trying to talk to her and be like, hey, what did you hear about the magic? And as she's walking down the road and she's obviously on her way to do something, people are like, Louisa, my house is tilted this way. Louisa, the donkey's got out. Louisa, my, my whatever's doing this. And she's like, yep, got it, got it, got it, got it, got it. If I can't do this, if I can't be of service, I'm not worth anything. Hmm. Yes. That was an important line. Right. Yes, it was. And I do think, we haven't talked about this, and it hasn't come up necessarily, but I feel like it's hinted at maybe in different parts of this discussion Mm -hmm. of birth order, but like saying no when Mm. people ask you for something. Oh, yeah. It's very hard. It's so hard. I mean, maybe everyone has a hard time with that. Maybe it depends on, you know, a bunch, of course, it depends on a bunch of other factors, but, like, I have had people say to me, you need to learn how to do that better. I've seen people in situations where I'm like, okay, just, like, do this thing. Like, the, like seeing someone else ask someone else to do something for them and thought it would be easier if you just do it. Just say yes. Just say yes. And right. seeing the other person look at them and say, I can't do that right now or no, and been like, why did you do that? Like, ah, yeah. now the other person is gonna, what are they gonna do? Like, do you, uh, I guess I'll do it. I'm not involved, but I'll do it. I guess I'll help. I'll be the responsible party. I'll do it. I volunteer's tribute. I volunteer. I volunteer's tribute. I volunteer's yeah. tribute. I was trying to find the exact line um, where she says, oh, here it is. I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. Mm-hmm. Well, the the whole verse is under the surface. I feel berserk as a tight rope tight rope walker in a three ring circus. Under the surface was Hercules ever like yo? I don't want to fight Cerberus. Under the surface. Hold on, pause. I don't know if we have. Uh, don't we get charged if we do this? No. Does something happen? I'm not singing the whole song. Okay. I'm pretty sure I'm worthless if I can't be of service. A flower or a crack, a straw on the stack that breaks a camel's back. What breaks a camel's back? It's and then she's like. The chorus of the song. So, like, Um, I agree with that. I mean, I do think it would make sense that all of us obviously uh, have 
a, con- a thread in our circumstances that is the yeah. same that we all relate to, so we're all going to like look at Louise's position. The other middle child, though, is, is Camilo, uh, who is a shapeshifter, and I agree. I don't think Dolores and Camilo got enough screen time, and I hope that they set... I felt like they set themselves up for a sequel, and I hope in the sequel they both get more... But I, I think this time it was like Mirabelle and her immediate siblings. Right. And the kid who came after her who got a gift when she didn't. But like... We didn't even see that much of him. We Everything that we saw of him was him like people pleasing. Right. And him being like, I'm your shape, I'm your shape, I'm your shape. I'm he was also it. supposed to be five. No, Cam- Camillo is 15. Oh, oh, um, oh, you're talking about Camillo. I thought we were talking about Antonio. Okay. No, not yet. Um, he's, he's the other middle child. He's the same age as Mirabelle, so they would have gotten their gifts close together he all he does all day is shift from people to like people laugh or people please people right or he doesn't... to be like I can take care of your baby because I look like you you can take a nap or like it'll make you laugh if I look like you and high five you like because you're a child right right I see what you're saying sort of he's, like a gesture he's the comedic relief yes. yeah he doesn't have any serious lines in the whole movie that's interesting I would be curious to hear about middle brother boys mm-hmm. you know I'm trying to think I don't know if I know any well John's Jason technically the, the middle but, but like we said we're all not technically not really the middle Jason's the middle but he has an older brother and a younger sister versus like yeah. John's got three older siblings I feel like it's very different when the sister's the oldest yeah um well right so Aaron uh, I do think there's something interesting because so it's James, Aaron, Nate, and there's a bit of a gap, and then there's Missy. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I feel like they're a tight-knit family, I do feel like there's something very particular about, like, three boys born close-together brothers. Oh, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and I had never, like, encountered that really closely before Aaron and I started dating. So, like, getting to see them all interact with each other, I just thought was so fascinating. And it also made me realize, when you start paying attention to it, there's a lot. But a lot of movie premises that rely on, like, three brothers. And, like, the older brother is like, I am responsible. I'm going to, like, make money and make decisions. And I'm thinking about the future of our parents. And then you have the middle brother who's, like, the the runaway... Or the... He's the rogue one kind of like does his own thing yeah and then you have the younger one who is a bit idealistic kind social friendly um people pleasing and i feel like they fill fill that in a certain way not exactly like they're all they're all friendly and they all love their family and they all kind of do their own thing and they're like um which is particular to like their family yeah um, but the, when the, I first, the Hodges are very close-knit. The Hodges, yeah, they are. They are. But then they have, like, Jack, who's, like, their surrogate fourth brother. Oh, my God, I forgot about Jack. Jack at Aaron and Aaron's wedding. Jack was playing tag with my stepdaughter, and I managed to accidentally let him step on my dress and spin out of it, and he ripped my dress into pieces twice. By accident? By accident, both times. No, no, Jack is not at fault at all, and he felt so bad both times, and I said, Jack, if I'm not flashing people, it's not a party. And he laughed, but, like, somehow two times managed to rip me out of my dress. Yep. And should we, I just want to clarify, you were there with Jason, and he was there with With, with Jackie. his beautiful, beautiful girlfriend, and I was there with my fiancé, and 
None of this was was at all on purpose or or like weirdly flirtatious or anything. It was all like a weird coincidence. And he felt so bad. And I felt bad that I felt bad because he had no reason to. But it was just very funny that it was two times this. Because he is a giant man. He's so tall. And both times he just happened to like step on my dress at the wrong moment. And they were wrap dresses. And I would like spin because I was dancing with myself. And then it would just like (laughs) rip open. (laughs) It was great that it happened twice. And then I put on new clothes. I took off the dress. I was like, I need pants. <laughs> but I need to share that with the world. I'm glad. It's a good story. Are you good to move on? Um, yeah. I'm Sorry, I, I interrupted you, so it's okay if you're not. No, no, it's good to move on. It's good to move on. So next we have Mirabelle, who is the same age as Camilo, but the youngest of her three siblings. So she is also 15. She's a middle among the cousins, but of her three siblings, she's the youngest, and she is striving so hard the entire movie to just, like, bring pride to her family and make people feel like she's worth something, even though she doesn't have a gift. A magical gift. A magical gift. She And it turns out that she's, like, the next abuela. The house is her gift. She's going to keep everybody happy and functional. She's going to make Luisa take breaks sometimes. She's going to let Isabella know that she doesn't have to be perfect, like... She ends up being the best part of the family, but for the majority of it, she doesn't realize that because she just wasn't given a gift or an explanation. Right, right, right. But I didn't put it together myself until later that Abuela doesn't technically have a, a gift except for like... She's the miracle is her gift. Right, right, right. So Mirabelle's gift is to c- continue on carrying the miracle. And Abuela also fucking sucks. For a good portion of the movie, she's... Well, pretty. even when she apologizes, like, personally, <laughs> I I don't care that you're apologizing, like, thank you, but for 15 years you've told me that I'm worth nothing because I don't have a gift. Like, that doesn't fix it. Thank you for feeling bad that I destroyed the house because Bruno's vision told me I would. However, you were mean to me for 15 years because I didn't have anything that I possibly could but I didn't have magic. That's not fair. That's not my fault. You're right. Sorry. I realize I have some. Oh, I don't need your drink. I can make more later. Sure. Sure. You want some? No. Okay. (laughs) Danielle's high. I'm good. Um, I'm anything. I I did appreciate that the movie demonstrated that it's not just your immediate family and there's a bunch of surrounding factors. The role you play in your extended family, the role you play in your community... I think it really touched on the community of, like, the that, like, Latinx family atmosphere is very much as, again, as far as I've read, because we do not have that experience, and the things that I have learned from my friends who are Latinx um, is, like, you all work for each other, and you help each other, and the goal is, I need to serve the family. Right. And I think it really played into that. But also because of that and because of the things that people went through and like the same thing with our family we were talking about pre-recording the like our parents were raising parents who grew up in the depression is like there's a lot of pressure on you at that point right. to do things that you shouldn't have to do. Like you... In the 20s, in the 30s, in the 40s, it made sense that, like, the second you hit 12, you got to serve the family. That's what we do. We make money for, we help with, or we run the business. At, in 2022, that's not how that works anymore. And there's still a lot of families and a lot of cultures that, that treat it that way, and I don't think that that's fair to children. You know what I'm saying? 
I do know I'm, what you're I'm saying. I'm trying to be respectful and honest at the same time. It's okay to be respectful and honest. It's tricky because on the one hand, I, I do feel like in our contemporary age, we need to find some way to give people the freedom and opportunity to explore their self and their interests while still maintaining the sense of community and connection and support that was so important to say like our grandparents growing right. up. Right. And I don't think there should be a lack of community. I don't think there should be a lack of connection, but I do think that there like for example, my grandmother grew up in the Bronx in the forties. And she told me that the majority of her classmates dropped out of school at like sixth or seventh grade because they had to get a job and they had to start helping to support their families. And they got a job at twelve or thirteen and all of their paycheck went back to their families. And that was like culturally appropriate that was like timeline wise in the in the 30s and 40s that wasn't weird that a kid would drop out in sixth or seventh grade um and now like you in the state of new hampshire at least you can't leave school until you're 18 that's illegal so the fact that 50 60 years ago that was normal and like you you were expected at 13 to stop going to school and get a job so you could help support your family is absolutely insane to me. Yeah, I do see I do see what you're saying. But at the But at the same time, as much as I feel like I'm a big supporter of like supporting public education and improving that as like foundational to improving oh, yeah, our country. Yeah, yeah. Like trust me, I'm into that, but also respecting the idea that the that institutionalized public education might not be the best solution for everyone. Oh no, it's definitely not. And and I think as someone who works in public education now, it's not always even right for anybody. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of flaws. It might just be bad. <laughs> for real though, it it is in some ways just bad there's a lot of flaws that there's a lot of misinformation or lack of information um at least in the rural new hampshire town that i work in there's there's pieces of it that only exist because the state says they should because the state hasn't changed their laws in 80 years you know yeah like it is ridiculous um and i think the pressure that is put on children Today is less than it was 60 years ago, but it's still oh, not great. And, I think it's a different kind of pressure. And But and, I think it's just as intense, I feel. Well, like a big part of my job, for example, is to help kids figure out what they're doing after school. And when I say to kids, like, I am an adult who doesn't feel like college is the only answer, they're always going to be like, I'm insane. Because that's all they've heard their whole life is, what are you, what are you going to go to college for? After high school, you're going to go to school more. What is it going to be? And that's not the answer for everybody. Right. You can do a lot of really great things with, like, tech school or, or no more school. Right. But, um... Okay. That's Hold one on. of those pressure things, though. Pause. I think we could get into a whole separate conversation. I would love to do an episode that's just about, like, community planning and architecture right. across the United States. Because yeah. the way we've constructed it is we're essentially telling kids in all of these communities across the United States, small communities like this, like... In Maine, in New Hampshire, in Idaho, in Ohio, in Montana, whatever. Yeah. We're like, you're going to go to school, you're going to get a, your diploma, and then you're going to want to get a degree to like get, quote-unquote, out of here. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go to Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, Texas, or Boston, or New York City. Mm-hmm. And that's where jobs are. That's where you will get to be something. And if that's where culture and people are, and if you don't get there, then you're going to have to be an accountant on Main Street. Mm-hmm. Or, like, and yeah. that's not true. And that's... And also, there's nothing wrong, and we need accountants that have little offices and work on Main Street. Like, um, and but, there's nothing like people would be like, "I'll be flipping, flipping burgers at McDonald's for the rest of your life." Okay, that's a good fucking job. You have a job that pays you at a minimum ten dollars an hour in a state where the minimum wage is seven fifty. That's amazing. It doesn't take no skill to do that. And if nobody did that job, you wouldn't be able to go through the drive-through every day and get your Big Mac. No, that's true. Like, that's true. Our whole... I'm not saying that maybe that's what you should, like, go to school and be like, this is what I'm going to become, but there's nothing, nothing wrong with that. All right, we're going to put a pin on this okay. for a different episode. Anyways, so the last Midrigal family member is Antonio. Oh, little Antonio. And he's the youngest, and I, I do feel like he follows a lot of youngest traits because he is kind of, it seems like ignored, like, no one gives a shit where he is. He's in the walls, listening to the rats, fa- finding Bruno... No one looks for him. It's it's his miracle day, and everyone's like, where did he go? Like, I don't know if you've paid two seconds of attention to your five-year-old. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you know, <laughs> like, know where he is. <laughs> like, Mirabelle knows that he's under the bed without hesitation. And it's like, maybe if you looked at your fucking kid for two seconds. But he's your third and the youngest of all of the cousins. And yeah. it's like, well, someone else will take care of him. I don't know. We have a whole house that does shit for us. Like, What? Yeah, that's real. That's real. <laughs> that is a true youngest sibling. Youngest sibling problem. Is, yeah. Uh, is no, it's going to be fine. It's fine. They it, trip, they fall. When you're first born, you would have rushed them to the hospital, paranoid that you that, broke something. By the third kid, by you're, the like, third kid you're like, eh, it's just a bruise. It's you're fine. Like, we'll please get up and stop crying. crying. I'll kiss it. Here's some ice. Just go lay down. Stop crying. But see, I feel like this is such a weird contrast right because on the other hand and just related to like your siblings like you're the baby uh-huh no one thinks you can do things on your own well i think that plays into like he's hiding from everybody on the day of his gift because the last person who had a gift was mirabelle and she didn't get one and he's going what happens if i disappoint everybody yeah. And then he, and then he comes well, out there and he, he can't even walk down the road by himself he's like i need you with me and then he, he gets it, and they're all... And, like, you can watch everybody's faces. Like, the people who animated this movie are fucking geniuses. Because even as he walks up to the door, and he, and he holds onto the candle, and he touches his knob... No! <laughs> the, he touches the knob on the door. A doorknob is a piece uh, of furniture You can see... But you can see everybody's faces be, like, terrified that nothing's going to happen. And then the second that something happens, it's like, oh, he is suddenly worthy again. We can worry about him again. We were ignoring him for five years because someone else was taking care of him, and now it's like, well, I guess he exists. That's cool. Thanks for talking to animals for us, buddy. uh, 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 uh. Uh, But all in all, I should say, we greatly enjoyed the film. Oh my god, fucking phenomenal. Watch it at least three times before you know what's happening. Because there's so many things that you won't see the first or second time that you recognize the third. And the sixth. And the seventh. (laughs) Hannah hasn't been binging this movie at all. I have that thing where new things scare me 
So when I like something, I watch it. Like my my old go-to movie was Moana, and I've seen it at least 50 times. I'm rewatching Grey's Anatomy. I will watch this. Like Jason will be like, pick a movie, and I'll be like, this one. He'll be like, we've watched it before, and I'm like, exactly why I'm picking it. Like I don't have something I have to pay attention to and worry about the ending. I have something that I can fall asleep to. Yes. So I will continue watching Encanto, and none of you can stop me. But you should all watch it. And you should all watch it. And then message me out on Instagram, because you know how much joy I get from Instagram DMs? So much. So much joy. All right. Um, Um, So anyways, our Instagram is sgk underscore podcast. My Instagram is that.palindrome. I recently made it private. I will accept your follow requests. I just have a teenage son who sucks. He doesn't suck. I love him so much. He and his friends won't leave my social media alone. Um, my... That was so much information. My Twitter is that underscore palindrome. My TikTok is that dot palindrome. Erin, you want to plug your stuff? Your Instagram is private. Uh... What about your art one? Are you ready for that yet? What's hey folks, Erin does not remember her handles on anything. Let's... Uh, okay, Daniel, do you want to plug anything? Um, no. Okay, just follow her Instagram, please. Yeah. Follow SGK underscore podcast. Um, and if we do get enough messages in there that justify it, maybe we'll make an email in the future. But for now, in the future. um, message us there. We'll have a website someday, but we don't have enough followers for that yet, so... Seems so like a keep lot following of work. so that we can get a, um, get a web get a website. Like, subscribe, review, share with your friends. If all of you can share with one friend, we would have twice as many followers as we do now. So please do that. That's all I ask of you in this Valentine's Day. Um, if you love me, you will share with somebody. Oh yeah, we didn't even talk about. Uh we don't. We move on our own personal calendar. Uh, I will say... I don't think this is... I think it's coming out the week before Valentine's Day. I just want to prepare them. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, and our next bonus episode... We'll About listen. dreams. We'll go through all of the dream comments that you... I, I would folks say... Um, oh, hey. Well, wait a second. Waiting a second. What are we... you... Oh, we're going to do Danielle's dreams! Danielle, oh, God. tell us about your most recent dream. Oh. No, no, no. Let's let's simplify yeah. it a little bit. Let's simplify okay. a little. All right. So this is a book. Um, Look how small it is. It's the Dream Dictionary. It's by Lawrence Teacher Books, or printed by Lawrence Teacher Books. It's very tiny. It's meant to be portable. Um, and so it has um, most popular dream symbols and what they could potentially mean. Elevators, planes. Elevators and planes. Mm-hmm. All right. See, that's perfect. Ooh. That's what I was looking for. Alright, so previously we talked about... I can't tell you what the dream was, but I can tell you it involves that. Yeah. (laughs) Alright, no, that's perfect. Because um, it is... When you get into the nitty-gritty of it, sometimes it complicates it more than if you just say, look at that. Elevators. Very apprehensive. If trapped in one... This may indicate an inferiority complex. Okay, I was not trapped. If the elevator is moving up, it could signify advancement and realization of your goals. If the elevator is moving down, this may indicate a fear of letting go. Hmm. Can you tell us more? Um, I can't remember. We kept going up and down. 
Ah. That's what I remember. It was like ah. it was like I would I would I would get to the door and the person would be gone and I'd be like, What the fuck? Where did they go? And so I would get on the elevator and we would go up and I'd be like, They're not up here and then I would get on and I'd go back down and I'd be like they're not up here and then I was like, Well I've gotta get on the plane, like I've got a ticket. Oh, let's look at the plane now. So yes. A B C The plane had H H A K like like sofas. Like we had to sit on a sofa in the plane and there was some movie character in in the in the dream that was very intense. Alright, so let's see if plane is in here. It's very interesting. It doesn't right. look like plane is in here. Maybe Airplane? Air oh you're right. Could be an A. A A R Nope. A I <laughs> Uh, hey, look, at look at this. We have it. We have it. Okay. We got it. <laughs> Glad I didn't have to spell the whole word. Airplane. <laughs> if you are afraid of flying, you may be apprehensive about the future. Okay. As in, in a dream. If you're concerned okay. about the flight, you I may was be, concerned about the flight. You may be apprehensive about the future. Well, this does go with your concern. Like the elevator going up and down may indicate moments of hopefulness and excitement, concern, and then, yeah. hopefulness, concern. Um, okay. If you are the pilot of the plane, was this relevant? No. Um, it says if that is the case for anyone else out there. Our it, friends across the pod. It may indicate a desire or an opportunity for self-expression. Can you tell us about the plane? You were anxious to get on the plane. Yes, I was anxious. I knew I needed to get on the plane. Ah, that sounds like apprehension about the yeah, future. Yeah, yeah. The impending then, future. And then I'm trying to find my seat and all there is is like sofas and like random places to sit. And so I was like, well, that's not a very safe place to be on a plane. And John likes to fall asleep to these, like, like, um, like the worst case scenario on planes. Like, they, they're like, let's decode this airplane accident that killed 300 people. Oh, my God. And that's what he wants to fall asleep to. And I'm like, man, now I just dream about being on a sofa in a plane and being scared because... Oh, because it's, it's not a safe. It's not safe. Not safe. That's so not real, safe. though. That sounds like just being... It's, like, pretty logical, right? Like, yeah. Like, you don't want to be just, like, on a sofa in the plane. Right. I think that just has to do with... Yeah. It was a pretty logical with... thing. Yeah. So that's been that's been pretty standard, but... Yeah. Certain twos. Airplanes and sofas and... I feel Elevators. Like elevators. But You're... those were two... I mean, the book is pretty small, but to have two images that are... Yeah, in there. Consistent. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm lucky I had a dream I remembered recently. I feel like your dreams are as dangerous as mine, but in very different ways. Mm. We are both very, like, worst case scenario, the world's gonna end kind of people. Mm. So, gotta plan for the worst. Well, if you have any weird dreams, send them to me on Instagram. Or Message me, I like attention. M- middle child. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> I didn't get to mention um, that when I when I first met Jason, and he still does, he had a giant lifted white F two fifty with with white spikes on the front. And I got in his truck for the first time, and I said, "So, what's with the spikes?" And I was like, "There's got to be a reason." And he went, "Okay, here's the deal." I was a middle child, and I went, ooh, buddy, say no more. So was I. And that, I think, is the day I fell in love with my fiancé. <laughs> he goes, attention-seeking, and I went, oh, yeah, 
so much. And he was like, cool, 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 cool. You get it. <laughs> that was our whole conversation about the spikes on his truck. Wow. Okay. You shared that moment. It's, you know, birth order. Um, so, I think... Is that it? Yeah, I think that's it. Okay. Well, we love you, friends. Oh, I said that too soon. Drink water. Take your vitamins. Have a healthy meal this week. Just one. Just one. One healthy meal. Or more than one if you're feeling motivated. Right. But like like minimum, least effort, one meal that's mostly veggies. And we love you, friends. We love you, friends. And uh, we're out. Daniel. Peace, y'all. Okay. We're out.